Nine out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring today. Robert Half is here to help. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. I'm Meredith Vieira, and first and foremost, I'm a mom, a journalist by trade, but I think what drew me to the business was that I love to tell stories. To not be true to myself sets back women and men, anybody. You really need to follow your own heart. I'm not the roadmap for anybody else. I'm here to do the best I can do, and that's it. This is Secrets of Wealthy Women from the Wall Street Journal helping women empower themselves financially. Now, Veronica Dagger. Meredith Vieira is an award-winning TV personality and journalist. She talks about her multifaceted career and the importance of gratitude. So, Meredith, I heard when you started your first official job, Mm -hmm. you showed up in overalls, and that made people laugh. What do you tell us about that? Yes, um, I, I fell into journalism. I didn't intend to be a journalist. I took a course, a non-credit, my senior year. So this is January of my senior year in college. Had no idea what I was going to do when I graduated at all. Uh, had sort of floundered a bit in college. Uh, my mom had actually sent me to Catherine Gibbs to learn secretarial skills the summer before because <laughs> okay. she said, you're going to work when you graduate. You know, you don't think you're going to come home. I mean, she was a loving mom. I don't right. want to be that way. But she knew, you know, you're going to earn a living. So she figured maybe I could do that. And I took this course, and the professor had us uh, create documentaries. It was radio and in groups, and I was the voice on my group's documentary, radio documentary, and the head of CBS Radio in, in Boston came in to critique them. And when he heard ours, he went, Who, who's that? And I, wow. I didn't know if I was going to get in trouble because I was already, you know, <laughs> oh not the best at school. So I, I raised my hand. He said, I need to talk to you. And he took me outside the classroom, and he said, what are you going to do when you graduate? I said, I don't know. And he said, I do. You're going to have a big career. And he hired me on the spot to be an intern at CBS Radio starting, like, the next week. And, you know, sometimes it's good to not know, you know, to be a little stupid. And I I didn't know what I was getting into. I said, sure, I can do that. Uh And I was told, I got a call saying, be prepared to rip wires. That's probably a lot of what you're going to be doing. So I'm thinking radio, you know, wires you plug in. Right. And I thought, oh, uh, all right. I, not exactly what I thought the job was going to be, but I didn't know what it, what it involved. So I went out and I bought the cutest pair of overalls because I thought, <laughs> you know, that's going to be cute. And I went in. I, I, my job started every morning like at 5 a.m. And I walk in and they're looking at me like, what do you why do you have overalls on? It didn't look professional. I said, well, I'm ready. It turned out that they meant ripping um, the wire service the articles. Yeah, yeah, the copy from the machine. So, I mean, you know, I think that they found me endearing. They decided, well, she's we're going to give her a chance. And, and they did. And maybe because of that, I, I realized I've got to work hard. You know, I got to maybe harder than the average Joe. And, and that's what I've done. What do you I, mean you, that you realized you had to work hard after because that? Because I obviously didn't know what I was doing. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to prove to them that um, I, there was something there, you know, <laughs> right. beyond, beyond not knowing a thing. <laughs> and, I, and I just kind of took to it. I found that I really loved storytelling. Uh, it, I, and I loved telling other people's stories. I just found that really special. And I'm a shy person. So it's great for – I like to turn the camera on someone else. I find that wonderful, and I can sort of sit back. And I'm a good listener. 
Uh, and that was something I always was. And so I just, it, it felt right to me. How do you have such a public job if you're a shy person? I don't know. And I hate flying. And I've, I've flown all over the world mm-hmm. for my job. Uh, I, 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 I just kind of had to get over it. I just had to, you know, it, maybe it was therapeutic for me mm-hmm. because it forced me out of my shell. Uh, more than if I had done something else, which easily could have happened. And, I, you know, a lot of theater people, though, are very shy. Huh. And then when they get the camera c- comes on, they come to life. I've noticed that in just interviewing people that, mm-hmm. that that's the case. So maybe that was something with me. I don't know. Interesting. So I heard early on a news director told you you were never going to make it. And so he, he said, I don't think you have what it takes. So what did you say to him? Well, it happened on a Friday, and... I don't blame him, actually, for saying it in the, in the sense that I, I was one of these people. I'm such a perfectionist. And back before, you know, when you just had plain old typewriters, if you made a mistake, you had to rip out the paper and do it again. And so if, if every word wasn't perfect on my own copy, uh-huh. which wouldn't matter, instead of, like, crossing it out or just moving on and rewriting it, I would pull the paper out and put it back. Well, when you're into deadline— that drives the boss crazy. Oh, right. And I would always I just get on the air. This is my first television job oh, in Providence, Rhode Island. Yeah. And he called me and he said, I, I don't think you have what it takes. And I was like, oh. And I went home. I grew up in East Providence. And I went home to my little kid bedroom from Aww. growing up. And I'm sitting there crying. And my dad comes in. And he sat down. And he said, what's the matter? And I told him. And he, he said to me, you know, my dad was always a thoughtful guy, and he said, well, do you think you have what it takes? I'm like, yes, I think I do. And he Aww. said, well, then why do you care what this guy said? You know, you're going to have this happen to you over and over in your life, potentially people telling you you're not good enough, you're not this enough, whatever it is. And you, you're, you have to, in your own core, believe in yourself. And, and then the naysayers will kind of disappear. And so I went in. I was like, oh, okay. And I went in that Monday and to pack up my stuff or whatever was remaining, and I sort of stormed into his office. And my memory is that I pushed him against the wall. I'm not <laughs> sure. Oh, my gosh. But um, not, not bad, not bad. But I kind of got, you know, got him right against the wall. I said, I don't care what you say. I do have what it, what it takes. I'm going to make it. And I think he was so taken aback that he hired, rehired me in the moment. And, you know, and we went on to be fine friends. There was no animosity at all. And, and I understood. You know, he's a tough guy. He has to make decisions, business decisions. And I think he felt... She just is not going to long haul be the right person. And I was. What's your advice for other women who are told no in similar fashion? I think exactly what my dad said. You know, if, as long as you believe in yourself, I mean, you have to work extremely hard sometimes to, uh, to prove the naysayers wrong. But if, if it's not inside you, it, you're never going to succeed. Mm. It has to begin with you. And having that faith in yourself. How do you get there, though? Like, um, I, for me, it was just my dad saying that. Aww. It just kind of turned me around, huh. uh, and it made me realize, okay, and I'm sitting there. Can I do this? And yeah, why not? And and then just doing it. And that's the that's the part that just is applying yourself. I think I think we're pretty capable of doing almost anything that we dream of, if we just apply ourselves and keep going for it. Mm-hmm. So I had read that early on you were a victim of domestic violence. Yes. And I'm just wondering, would you tell us about that? Sure. Um, it sort of crept up on me. I didn't – it began with just kind of verbal abuse and making me feel bad. And I think it might have been that my trajectory was more than his. You know, I mm. was rising at a different – I think there might have been a little bit of that. Um, but I kept um, making excuses. 
because he would apologize and I would think, well, maybe I egged him on, maybe something. And then it led into um, physical abuse. Uh, and it was just, I remember him at one point holding me down on the ground with my face, oh my basically gosh. threatening me, saying, well, if I ruin your face, oh. you, you know, that's it for you. And once being put in a shower with hot water and then thrown into the hallway. I mean, okay. I, I endured a lot and I didn't know how to get away. Um, I, my escape actually was a job offer out, outside of New York that took me elsewhere and I went for it and I went for it because it was a good job, but also I, I realized that was the only way I was gonna get out of the situation. I didn't have the strength to walk away. I'm, I so encourage women in that situation, tell somebody, mm -hmm. do something, because um, it could have ended much differently than how do it you, did. How do you get the strength to walk away, though, if you don't have that other job Well, it's, it's very hard, yeah. I mean, I, in my case, I don't know what would have been, um, but I do think sharing it is really important, letting somebody else know, uh, because you can feel so so alone in that situation, and you're made to feel that you're nobody, mm -hmm. uh, and it, and it, like I said, it with me, it just kind of crept up. You know, I didn't, I never thought it would escalate. I never, I mean, look at me, I'm like, that would never happen to me. I'm this independent woman, right. I'm strong, I'm yeah. this, and it did. And, and I blame myself, I kept blaming myself oh. and forgiving and all of that, and my family loved him. I never told my mother. Oh, wow. Yeah, I just couldn't, yeah. and I should've, but I just couldn't, she had this image and I just, uh, let it be. So when you were pregnant with your second child, you yes. were 60 Minutes. Yes. And the executive producer, you Don went Hewitt. to him and he said... I didn't go to him. You didn't go to him. No. I had had four miscarriages before my first child, Ben. Oh, wow. I'm sorry. And so, thank you. So I I was always hesitant until, you know, th at least three months had gone by to say anything. Okay. So, and, and right before I was pregnant with Gabe, I had um, miscarried twins. Hmm. So when I became pregnant, I thought, well, I'm not going to mention this to Don Hewitt right now because it's going to involve me saying I'm taking six months off because right. that's what I was allowed and I was going to. There was no question in my head. Uh, and I was waiting and waiting. A, a couple of producers knew mm -hmm. because I didn't want to fly. So I said, can we try to find stories, uh, you know, along the corridor, east, mm -hmm. you know, northeast corridor? So I did. I was doing a lot of Boston, Washington stories. I don't think you put it together. And I got this call from Don, and he's in Paris. He said, I need you to get on the con – that was the days of the Concord because there's a story here. And I gulped, and I went, uh, I can't, Don. I'm pregnant. And there was silence. Mm. And then I, he said, okay, i got to get off. i got to find somebody else. But that was the beginning of the end. It really was. How did that make you feel to be in the middle of this debate about work and family and be almost the, the poster child for yeah. women at the time? It, you know, it was strange because I was just kind of trying, feeling my way. Yeah. And for me, it came down to, you know, at the, at the end of the day, Don and I had a discussion. Don Hewitt and I had a discussion and he was adamant that I would have to, uh, you know, come back and do a certain number of stories that I knew I couldn't. And he was pushing me. And I finally said, you know what? That's it. I'm done. I have to make a choice, I'm done. And I went home that night and I slept, so I slept really, really well, which I didn't think I would because 60 Minutes had been, for me, the best job you could have in the business. Mm -hmm. um, uh, and it was Don's baby. Mm -hmm. So my baby was conflicting with his baby. That's what was going on. Oh, interesting. Yeah, and, but I went home and I, you would have thought I would have fallen apart, but I really slept well, which made me know my gut was right for me. A few weeks later, I'm at a party and this woman uh, comes up to me and she's like, oh, after the news came out, and she says, you know what, you have done such a disservice to women 
by doing this. You know, um, you were you were the example of having it all, and to do this is setting back the the cause of women. I thought, and it really. That really upset me. Yeah. And but then when I, the more I thought about it, I thought, no, no, no. To not be true to myself sets back women and men, anybody. You really need to follow your own heart mm-hmm. and make your own decisions. There, you, I'm not the roadmap for anybody else. I'm just, it's just old me right. doing this. And take whatever lessons you want from it. But I'm not here to represent women. I'm here to do the best I can do, and that's it. Coming up, Meredith Vieira explains her path to reinvention and how she stayed true to herself. AI may be the most important new computer technology ever, but AI needs a lot of processing speed, and that gets expensive fast. Upgrade to the next generation of the cloud, Oracle Cloud Infrastructure, or OCI. OCI is the single platform for your infrastructure, database, application development, and AI needs. Do more and spend less, like Uber, 8x8, and Databricks Mosaic. Take a free test drive of OCI at oracle.com slash wallstreet, oracle.com slash wallstreet. You're listening to Secrets of Wealthy Women, from the Wall Street Journal. I heard for many years you said you didn't get paid as equally as the guys. So I'm wondering, did you ever close that gap? And if so, how? Um, well, I don't know. Well, close the gap. I, I probably not. I did. I've done fine. But, um, right, yes. you know, I did. I, if you look at certain jobs where I had a male co-host, the male co-host made more. How did you handle that? He'd been there longer. I got to, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm sort of funny about that. I guess if I, if um, the situation had changed, I would have said I want the same amount. But he was the lead anchor, so it, it sort of made sense to me. Mm-hmm. And in my, our business, at least in, at that time, the pay was kind of great. Right. So I wasn't going to bitch over, you know, whatever. It's going to be fine. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. Um, you were the original moderator of The View. Yeah. And I read when you took that job, you realized you needed to reinvent yourself. You took that. So how? what was the situation at that time? That was scary for me. Yeah. Um, I, I auditioned because Richard, my husband, suggested I do it. I wasn't going to. So I thought, I, I've never done a talk show. I'm not really into that. I... Um, but I was, at that point, a reporter who didn't want to report. I didn't want to travel. Oh, so yeah. I had my three kids that, at that point, all little. And he said, well, what's the worst thing that can happen? It might spark something else. So I went and auditioned in a hotel room along with Barbara Walters. Oh, I mean, gosh. Come on. Yeah. yeah, and I think the first group was Barbara. Uh, I was either Joy or Debbie in the first one, and Star Jones and me. And um, I loved it. You know, they they assigned me moderator. They didn't have Barbara do it. And I thought I came home that night and I said, I can't believe this. I actually had a great time, and I never thought I'd get the job, and then I did. But it was scary because as a reporter, I never gave opinions. I wasn't a commentator. Mm-hmm. I was a straight reporter, and um, so to suddenly be asked to give your opinion was frightening to me. Because I, it was yeah. I, I've said this before, but it's really true. I, it was almost like I had been caged. Right. And now they were opening the door, and who knew what I was going to do? One of the first things I said on the air was, oh, I don't wear underwear. Who says that? <laughs> oh who says that? I mean, I wear a unitard. It was like, you know, right. that, but that went viral. I mean, oh, yeah. oh, my God. I still hear that to this day. It's like, enough with that. But but it, I wasn't, I didn't think. Right. 
minutes, right? Yeah, before I said a lot of stuff. That's yeah. hilarious. What was your what's your advice to women who want to reinvent themselves? Oh boy, um, I've I've done I you know mine is so basic. It's you know do your homework. If there's something that you're attracted to, learn as much as you can about it. Um, I'm all for if. If you can get your foot in the door and it's just interning and you're not getting a lot, do that too. No matter what your age is, show your enthusiasm and go for it. What's the worst that can happen? Like the game show I'm about to, you know, um, host. I did it. I almost didn't do it because it's based in L.A. And then I, I thought, what? Well, you're crazy. You're gonna. You've been invited to play in someone's sandbox. Go, go for it. Go have. Go have a good time. Who knows what'll happen? And here we are. I definitely want to hear more about the yeah. game show um, in, in a sec. But in the meantime, I just want to talk a little bit more about today's show, right? Yeah. So you replaced Katie Couric yes. when that happened and when she left. And so many people said, oh, the Today show is going to fail without Katie. And then you stepped in. How did you not let that get in your head? Like, who's going to be able to replace Katie talk? Um, you know, I I didn't try to replace Katie. It's like when I did start a millionaire after Regis. They, I, people would say, those are big shoes to fill. And they said, no, they're not because they're not my shoes. I've got my shoes on. And, and that's what I'm, I'm walking in on my shoes, not on Regis's shoes. So that's, I always try to think of that in my head, yeah. no matter what job I take on. And my approach was, and has always been, I'm a big collaborator. I, I love that approach and elevating those around you because there's power in numbers. And a team, a team that really works together well, it, to me, is unbreakable. So that's the way I approach today, that we're a family and um, there's no, we're all the same. And I, I think that worked for me. So there's a video that surfaced of Matt Lauer saying sexually suggestive things to you. I'm wondering what you were thinking when he said that. I, I never took it seriously. We were like brother and sister and, and we teased each other all the time. And if you've been in newsrooms, there's a lot of sexual innu innuendos that mean nothing. Uh, there's swear words constantly. I mean, it's just a different environment. And also in the morning shows that the people who work those trenches, they're a salty crowd, a lot of them. So I don't for one second think that Matt meant anything by it. Um, that whole situation is very sad to me because I never would have anticipated it at all. What would you say to women who are on the receiving end of some of those comments that may not be jokes? Well, if it's not a joke, I think you call them on it right away. And if it continues, I like to believe that you you go to HR and, and they do the right thing. I know there have been cases where that hasn't happened. And I know there are women who say, yeah, I opened my mouth and all I got for it was, you know, I was iced out. Mm -hmm. um, I suddenly wasn't getting things that I wanted just because I blew the whistle on somebody. Uh, and so that's a scary thing. And I get it. But if you don't, if you don't stand up in the moment, and I, it's funny for me to say this since I didn't stand up to my boyfriend, but if you don't, it, th that abuse is going to continue, uh, either with you or the next mm -hmm. one, because every time someone gets away with it, it's a, it's a license to do it again. So you were the second woman ever to win an Emmy for Outstanding Game Show Host. I'm wondering how come... Oh, Betty White was first. Yes, yes, she was first, right. I'm so proud to be after her. Yes, and yeah. that's very cool. So yeah, how come there still aren't a lot of female uh, game show hosts? I don't know. We were just talking about that. There are more now than there have been. Elizabeth Banks is doing a show, and um, Jane Lynch has a show, and Sherry Shepard has done um, game as well. But it just has been a male-dominated Business, I, I, I don't know if people just trust a male voice, but it doesn't make sense to me. Mm. Um, but, you know, we did very well with Millionaire, and 
I don't think it's it's gender specific, any of these games. I think a good host is a good host. And what made me a good host is is really the same skill sets that apply to being a reporter. It's listening to people. It's making them feel, you're messing with them if you're a game show host. <laughs> right. But in a nice way, you want them to know that you're there for them. You're rooting for them. I mean, I wanted everybody who played millionaire to walk away with a million dollars. You know, the producer would be like, don't say that's a while because, <laughs> you know, you'll lose your job. Yeah. But um but it's just it was it made me feel good when people won. It just was a a very positive thing. So I brought a little bit of that almost female energy to the role. But I, again, I don't know why there aren't more women. Um, I'm just very glad that they came to me for this show. Yeah. So yes. tell us more about this show. Um, it's it's called Twenty Five Words or Less, and the the goal of the show is for the contestant to get his two celebrity or her two celebrity teammates to guess 10 words using 25 clue words or less. And you have one minute to do it, and you got to get them all. And if you do, you walk away with $10,000. And leading up to that point, you know, because the two contestants, they play against each other, two teams, there are a bunch of rounds that you have to, you know, you have to win to move on. So Sounds fun. Yeah. It's, oh, it's so much fun. What motivates you to keep working? You know, my friends say, when I say, ah, I don't really want to go on working, they go, you're so full of it. You're just a workhorse. That's who you are. You've, mm-hmm. been, you've been that your whole life. You, you know, and it doesn't define me because if I'm not doing TV, I'm fine with that. But I think I just have always had that work ethic that my mom and dad had. Mm-hmm. My dad. My dad was a general practitioner, and he was the hardest working person I've ever seen. I mean, he, he worked yeah, he, he, his patients, many of them were Portuguese immigrants and that heard about Dr. Vieira in <laughs> Portugal. Oh, when you get to the States, because oh, wow. East Providence was a very Portuguese oh, area, and they say, look up Dr. Vieira. And my father, we'd have people mowing our lawn that I'd never seen, and my mom would say, oh, that's dad's patient. He can't pay in oh. that. Or we had we had more homemade wine in our basement <laughs> from these and, and, and sweet bread and stuff. Um, he was just a, he was a great man, great man. But he really um, gave back to his community, and he was extremely hardworking. And I think I got a lot of that just in me. My mom was a really tough cookie. She was um, she was one of these people. We were Catholic, and she didn't like the Monsignor. She knew stuff even then. And he wow. she, she realized that he was a misogynist, and mm-hmm. and um, so and she let she made me kind of bear the brunt of that because for my first communion, she applied all these blue flowers under my first communion dress, which is supposed to be white, <laughs> just to say to him, yeah, here's what I think of you, bud. So I, so I got some of my spunk from her because she was like, she was always kind of giving it to, you know, to the the men in power, so funny. to speak. Yeah. and But she was a homemaker. How did you instill the work ethic in your kids? I didn't do anything. They just have it. And I think it's maybe some of it is just watching their parents. And they've always, you know, they all got out of college and went for it. And they're all self-employed. Nobody calls up asking for money. It's great. That's amazing. Yeah, although we're there for them, you know, if they need us. But I think that's just kind of in them. 25 Words or Less is the name of your new game show. So in 25 words or less, give women advice. Um, Women want to know how to ask for what they want. What would you say to them? Be confident in what you're asking for. If you don't believe it, if you walk in with kind of, can I have? uh, Again, do your homework. Know what the going price is if that's what you're asking for, parity. And just go straight for it. Just say, this is my value. I deserve this. I want this. Um, and I expect this. 
in the workplace. And I, I, I think people respect that. I really do. I don't think in this day and age women need to be afraid the way might have been when I was coming up where you were told you were lucky to have a job. And you, I knew when I started I was a quota. I was told that. Wow. Yeah, they, you know, you got the job because you're a woman. Mm-hmm. And and once you got in, they they made it so hard for women to succeed because I think there was a lot of anger back then like, oh yeah, you got it over some guy just because you have a vagina, you know. Wow. Um which is part of the reason I think I worked as hard as I did. I think nowadays um own your own your um your worth. You have to you have to believe it mm-hmm. because you'll fall apart once somebody questions that. Um, you just have to believe it in yourself. Time now for your secrets. I'm Meredith Vieira, the new host of 25 Words or Less, and my money secret is start saving. The minute you have your first job, even if you're not making much, put some aside. And you'd be amazed how 10, 15 years from now, you're going to discover, oh, this is a great nest egg when you need it. Just just pretend it doesn't exist and put it away. Be sure to check out our ebook based on the Secrets podcast. WSJ subscribers can download their copy of Resilience, how 20 ambitious women use obstacles to fuel their success for free on WSJ.com today. This episode was produced by Tanya Bustos. I'm Veronica Dagger. Thanks for listening. This message comes from Viking, committed to exploring the world in comfort. Journey through the heart of Europe on an elegant Viking longship with thoughtful service, destination-focused dining, and cultural enrichment on board and on shore. And every Viking voyage is all-inclusive with no children and no casinos. Discover more at viking.com.